Welcome to episode 43 of the Combat Review. Uh, in this episode, we have a bit of news from the world of bare knuckle fight championships, which to be honest with you, um, I really struggle to deliver. Um, we then have some uh, wrestling news, uh, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, which uh, if you like wrestling, you'll have already heard about. And if you don't, pull up a pew, I'll tell you all about it. Uh, we then move on to the fight night, uh, UFC fight night results from this past weekend, UFC fight night 32. Uh, we talk about the main event, TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sanhagen and what that means for both guys. Now uh, we look forward to next week's fight night, which is headlined by Uriah Hall and Sean Strickland. Uh, and then we have a little bit of a discussion around USADA. You can follow us on Instagram at the combat review podcast with all the underscores on Twitter at combat review and on the combat review YouTube channel. Uh, this is episode 43. Bare knuckle FC was this weekend. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, I care nothing for this event, uh, nothing for this promotion. It just doesn't do anything for me. The aesthetics of it, the cuts, I just find it a bit much. And I know that's weird from someone that watches and enjoys cage fighting. But for me, I just find it's probably one step too far. Um, that said, uh, Paige Van Zandt fought this weekend and she lost to Rachel Ostovich. Now, this is slightly... And I'm only bringing this up because two things happened. Actually, three things happened. But um, the first thing that happened is Paige Van Zandt um, lost to Rachel Ostovich. They previously fought in the UFC and Paige Van Zandt won. So that's slightly interesting, I guess. Uh, coincidentally, that puts Paige Van Zandt 0-2 in her bare-knuckle um, bare career, if we call it that. Um, and then, obviously, her last four fights in the UFC, she was 1-3. and three. Um, there with the only victory coming over uh, Rachel Ostovich. So I don't know what page. I know she started the OnlyFans and all that sort of stuff. And she's keeping herself relevant. She's keeping her career going. And I understand it. Well, she's only 27, for Christ's sake. And she did Dancing on the Stars in America and all that sort of stuff. But it's just something about seeing that. It's too much. It's too much for me. But... There's one piece of news from BKFC. Second piece of news from BKFC was some fan jumped in the cage and some or in the ring and some fighter attacked him. That's literally all the information I have from you. I don't know the guy's name. Blue something, um, and he he attacked a, a a fan that jumped in the ring. Uh, so another bit of trash from that show. And the third bit of trash from that show that I'm going to bring to you is Hector Lombard and. Tyron Woodley got into an altercation. Now, I have watched this once, and I won't watch it again, um, but something about it was a bit fake to me. Now, I know that um, I know that uh, Tyron Woodley is going to fight Jake Paul very shortly. I believe it's uh, on the 18th or something like that. I really should know. I don't care, really, even though I've talked about it a couple of times. And guess what? I'll probably talk about it again. In any event, I know that's happening soon, but he's probably he's probably thinking about further things that he wants to do beyond that because he's still got to make the money. Um, so I'd imagine that this was set up 
um, so that him and Hector Lombard could have something to sell their fight on BKFC when it comes further down the line, which I don't really mind. I don't really mind about any of that stuff. Um, you know, I watch pro wrestling for God's sake, but I have one rule about when you're hyping a fight. I can't know you're hyping a fight. It has to be believable. Um, and I just looked at that and I wasn't, I wasn't enamored by it. I was pretty sure uh, that it wasn't all um, upfront and kosher, if you know what I mean. You know, I, I, I like Hector Lombard, or I certainly used to when he fought. Um, as far as his MMA career goes, it ended in September 2018 after six straight losses, um, all of them in the UFC. <laughs> um, so, you know, since he got cut from there, um, he has uh, gone to BKFC and he does have three victories there um, over, I mean, Kendall Groves, probably the only name you're going to know. And he TKO'd him back in 2020 uh, and he TKO'd Joe Riggs um, back in June. So Hector Lombard having a slight bit of a resurgence in the, uh, the bare knuckle arena. But, you know, you look at Hector Lombard, he's 43. How old's Tyron Woodley? I'm pretty sure Tyron Woodley is about 40. If I'm wrong, he's, if I'm wrong, I'm close. He's 39. So he'll fight Jake Paul. Win, lose, or draw, he will fight Jake Paul again. Um, and I would imagine after that, he might pop up in BKFC. And we'll probably see him fight Hector Lombard. What do you think about that? Um, the next bit of news that I'm going to bring you now, this is uh, wrestling related content. So if that is not something that you're interested in listening to, I can only apologize, but you're going to hear it. So those of you uh, obviously know CM Punk for his foray into the UFC. Um, CM Punk was signed to WWE and he left, I believe, in 2014. Um under a bit of a cloud. And prior to that, he was the hottest thing in wrestling. You know, from 2011 to 2014, CM Punk was the man. Um, he had the numbers. He was the person everyone was talking about. He was the main man in WWE. He left under a cloud. Uh, there was then a lawsuit that was served to him on his wedding day by WWE. He then... Uh, Followed the process in that lawsuit. Uh, I believe it ended up in a settlement. He then had another lawsuit that was going on with the same guy that was also being sued by WWE, um, Colt Cabana. And I don't know how that ended up. I'd imagine another settlement or it all just kind of went away. Um, he then, of course, uh, traveled into the world of MMA. And we all know how that worked out in the UFC. 0-2, losing to Mickey Gall and that horrible, horrible Mike Jackson. Um, he was then a little bit quiet. I know he wrote comic books and did these other things and what have you. Uh, he then popped up on WWE Backstage, which was a show that was set up by Fox when they signed SmackDown. Um, the show was then cancelled after about two or three months because it was trash. Um, it's very hard to have a show talking about a fake product because people really know that what you're talking about is rubbish. So it's it's a hard thing to sell, and I get that, but... CM Punk was on there in the first show that he was on there, did a lot of hits. So the question was always broached as to whether or not he was going to go back to wrestling. And the door to going back to WWE was 
pretty much firmly shut. And I know in that industry and that business, you never say never. You know, Bret Hart came back after the Montreal screw job, but um, you always felt that CM Punk was never going to go back to WWE. Fast forward to two or three days ago, and a story broke from Ringside News that CM Punk had signed with AEW. Now, nothing's been confirmed, but talks have happened, and it's all gone quiet. And as far as everyone that's in the know is concerned, it's pretty. It's a done deal. No one can announce it because obviously there's no leaks from outside AEW, but there is three shows in Chicago, which is CM Punk's hometown, um, towards the end of October, uh, or end of August and the start of September. So that there is what they've got the Rampage show, the Dynamite show, and then the All Out show. And All Out is their big end of year. It's like their WrestleMania, basically. So everyone is convinced that CM Punk will arrive at All Out. And if that does happen... It will be very interesting to see what happens to AEW's viewing figures that have been going up and up every week. Um, now, fair enough, WWE have also had a bit of a resurgence in their viewing figures. SmackDown and Raw are sort of pulling decent numbers. SmackDown's the dominant brand at the moment. But um, AEW is closing that gap. And if they sign someone like CM Punk, that's going to go a long way into shifting that needle a little bit further. Another piece of interesting news is AEW are also rumoured to have signed Daniel Bryan, whose real name is Bryan Danielson, just uh, to make things nice and simple for you, um, who was with WWE for a long, long time, used to work with CM Punk, is very good friends with CM Punk, and allegedly the Daniel Bryan deal got done because he wanted to also work with New Japan Pro Wrestling, where AEW have a working relationship with them, and WWE do not, although they tried to open avenues uh, to talk about that, and it didn't work. So Daniel Bryan is alleged to have signed for AEW. Fast forward three days later, they also appear to have signed CM Punk. So that there, as far as the world of pro wrestling goes, is massive, massive news. Um and I record every episode of AEW, and I never watch them. If CM Punk's on there, I'll probably watch a couple. I'm not going to lie. Right, so UFC, and I always, I've got to always pause myself when I announce their fight night names, but this was UFC on ESPN 27, or uh, more commonly known as UFC Vegas 32, just to make it nice and complicated. No idea why they haven't got a hold of this and started calling them one thing or the other, but we are where we are. So UFC on Vegas 32 was this weekend. It was headlined by TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sanhagen. Spoiler alert, if you don't know the results, TJ Dillashaw won a split decision, and we will get into that very shortly. Um, so I will run through the results as we go through in the prelims. Julio, <laughs> Julio Arce, A-R-C-E. Uh, it's probably Arce or something foreign. We're going to call them Julio Arce for the purpose of a joke. Defeated Andre Ewell by TKO in the second round. Mickey Gall, um, the same Mickey Gall that beat CM Punk and Sage Northcutt and lost to Platinum Mike Perry. Um, defeated Jordan Williams by submission, rear naked choke. So Mickey Gall still on the scene. Um, 
This is a long name. Nasadine Imavov uh, defeated Ian Heinish via TKO. So Ian Heinish taking another loss there. Um, Brendan Allen defeated Punahe Soriano via unanimous decision in the middleweight division. Uh, and now on a two-fight win streak. His last loss was to Sean Strickland, who we will talk about very, very shortly. Um, moving into the bantamweight division, Adrian Yanez defeated Randy Costa. If you have not seen that fight, that was a fantastic fight. I know that the um, the fight of the night, TJ did a show Corey Sanhagen, but if that card was not on, um, if this one was not uh, on the card, you would have seen Adrian Yanez uh, and Randy Costa pick that up. The first round started and Randy Costa was beating Adrian Yanez to a pulp. I don't know how he didn't finish the fight. Uh, second round started, Randy Costa was completely spent uh, and Yanez scored the TKO victory in the second round. Very, very good fight. Um, Macy Barber then defeated Miranda Maverick uh, via split decision, 29-28, 28-29, 28-29. Um, this was kind of called a bit of a robbery. I didn't think it was that bad. Watch it, uh, and you can make up your own mind. Next, we had in the featherweight division, Darren Elkins versus Derek Minner. Now, you'll remember Darren Elkins from that amazing comeback versus Masad Bektik. Um which was, you know, one of the best comeback knockouts you'll ever see. Um, he then obviously, he's a funny one. Um, he's almost too tough for his own good, Darren Elkins, because he had that amazing comeback. He then went on a sort of a two-fight win streak, people like uh, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan? Yeah, Michael Jordan's in MMA. Michael Johnson. Um but then he lost to Volkanovski, he lost, lost to Lamas, he lost to Ryan Hall, and he lost to Nate Landwehr. Um but then he's come back and he's he's he won his last fight and now of course um, he beat Derek Minner uh, by a TKO. This was a classic Darren Elkins performance. Took a battering for the first round, then came back, realised he was in a fight, um, and TKO Derek Minner in a crucifix position. Which, in fairness, you probably could have stopped before that. Derek literally had nothing left, um, but another brilliant Darren Elkins performance, and he's one of my favourite guys to watch in the featherweight division. In the bantamweight division, we had Raulian Paver defeated Kyler Phillips via majority decision, um, and then, of course, in the main event, uh, TJ Dillashaw defeated Corey Sanhagen via split decision. Uh, two judges had it 48-47 to, San, uh, to Dillashaw, pardon me, and 1-47 uh, 48 to Sandhagen. Um, and I want to talk about this fight in a bit of detail now. Right. Dillashaw versus Sandhagen. So this fight, as you know by now, is a split decision victory to TJ Dillashaw, 47, 48, 47, 48, and then 48, 47, obviously, to Sandhagen. That's how split decisions work. Um, I had this fight scored round one to Dillashaw, round two to Sandhagen, round three to Dillashaw. Rounds four and five, you could genuinely make an argument for them going either way. And I find it difficult. I saw some people on Twitter saying that was 4-1 to Sandhagen and all sorts of weird and wonderful things. 3-2 to Sandhagen, 3-2 to Dillashaw, 5-0 to Dillashaw. Like all of these things that were being thrown out of there as to what the fight was and how it ended. This is one of those things that's massively subjective, and that kind of is the way that MMA, the scoring is built. It's very, very difficult, and there is there is obviously times where there's a massive robbery, and everyone almost unilaterally agrees 
that it was a massive robbery. But this was not one of those fights. This was not a robbery. This wasn't even close to a robbery. This was an extremely, extremely close fight by two of the best in the world that was separated by a couple of things. Obviously, the cut in the second round that Corey Sanhagen opened up on Didashaw's, I think it was his right eye. It was his right eye. Um, that was a massive feature for the rest of the fight. That's all you saw was Didashaw playing with his eye, pouring his eye. He actually had his stance just covering his eye anytime he was going into any sort of engagement with Corey Sanhagen to try and protect it. So he could obviously elongate his time in the fight. Um, so from that perspective, he fought pretty smart. Now, people were saying that TJ had a lot of control time. So he would take Sanhagen's back up against the fence, for example, and people were upset that that was what was winning TJ rounds, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's how it works. That's how it works. It's octagon control damage. So it's a part of the sport and it's a part of the judging system. So you can't really hate on that. And the only real times those that happened was when Corey Sanhagen was trying something spinning or doing something silly. Um, I say silly. I mean, look, if it lands and, and he knocks him out, it's one of the best things ever and we love it. We saw him knock out uh, Frankie Edgar. And he tried a flying knee in, on the first round on TJ Dillashaw and ended up in a reverse triangle, which was pretty cool. Um, but I didn't see a problem with the way that TJ Dillashaw fought that fight, considering he's been on the bench for two years. And obviously, I understand that that was his undoing. I'm not defending him. He cheated, and that's fine. But for a guy that had uh, two years off, to come back and put a performance in like that was fantastic. Corey Sanhagen, of course, has been active, and he's climbing his way up to the top of that division um, and I think he'll get his title shot one way or the other. He might have to fight another two or three times, but he'll get there. Um, I just, people hating on TJ Dillashaw about the way that he won that fight, I find it a little bit hard. I personally watched the fight once, and on my immediate thought, I kind of thought there were 2-2 going into the fifth round, um, and I thought TJ won that fifth round. But, like I said, you can make an argument for rounds three, four, and five, they go either way. Um, yes, Sandhagen had a lot of success with power shots, but TJ ate those shots very well. Um, if he would have been dropped or really badly rocked, perhaps that would have changed the outcome of the fight, but he wasn't. He's got a very good chin on him, TJ Dillashaw. I know that he had his one falter with Henry Cejudo, but it, that was kind of even a flash, a flash thing. Um, so he has historically got a good chin. TJ landed a lot of volume, a lot of volume strikes. Not all of them landed, lots of leg kicks and things like that. And I know Sandhagen said after the fight that, you know, he's all battered and bruised and look at me, I'm fine. That's great, but that's not really how you judge a fight. It's how you judge a fight on a playground when two guys get up and one's got a black eye and the other one looks fine. But this is a mixed martial arts fight. That's not how you judge a fight. So... I understand the narrative that's being pushed that, you know, Corey Sternhagen won. Fine. You have your opinion. But at the end of the day, no one can sit here and say categorically that that fight went one way or the other. It's just not plausible. Um, you've got three judges, Sal Diamato, Derek Cleary, and <laughs> Junichiro Camillo, who have judged hundreds of MMA fights. They all know what they're doing. They're not stupid. Um, Derek Cleary had it. The first round was 10-9 uh, Dillashaw. 
Second round was 10-9 Sanhagen. Third round was Dillashaw. And fourth and fifth was Sanhagen. Um, Sal Diamato had it Dillashaw, Sanhagen, Dillashaw, Sanhagen, Dillashaw, which is how I had it. Um, and uh, Camillo had it Dillashaw, Sanhagen, Dillashaw, Dillashaw, Sanhagen. So, like I said, three, four, and five are completely up for debate. Um, and I don't think anyone can really sit here and say definitively that one person deserved to win that more than the other. Um, it's one of those ones that's down the middle. And in fairness, I don't have a problem with the result. What's next for TJ Dillashaw? He either fights the winner of Yan and Sterling or he takes one more fight before then. Um, what's next for Corey Sanhagen? I'd like to see him fight Rob Font, if not TJ Dillashaw versus Rob Font. The problem with that now is Rob Font has this USADA thing going on. Um, he's been cleared by USADA, but he hasn't been cleared by WADA. And he also has to sit in front of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. So realistically, we're probably not going to see Rob Font fight for a while. Um, but as far as that fight goes, cracking performance, cracking fight. I have no complaints over the result. I know some people do. <laughs> I don't care. This weekend, we have another UFC fight night, and we have Uri Hall in the main event versus Sean Strickland. I like this fight, and I'll tell you why. Um, I like Sean Strickland, and I don't like Uri Hall. That's why I like this fight. <laughs> I think Uriah Hall has been around a long time. I think he's a very capable fighter, but I struggle because I don't think he fulfills his full potential. And I think he's wasted a certain period of time in his career where he should have been the man. If you remember him in The Ultimate Fighter, he was standout the best in there. Um, you've seen flashes of it throughout his career of him doing good things. Um, and then you've seen really just poor performances from him that, just make me think that he's wasted a certain amount of talent. It's very easy for me to sit here and say that about an athlete like Uriah Hall, but that's just how I feel. Um, he is on somewhat of a resurgence, although two of those um, four victories, two of those last victories, uh, Anderson Silva, when he was not Anderson Silva anymore, and uh, Chris Weidman, which was literally checking a leg and Weidman's leg breaking. So... I don't know if you can call it a four-fight win streak. I don't really know if you can call it a resurgence. On paper, of course, it all looks good. Um, as far as Sean Strickland goes, I feel like he is on the upward trajectory, and I feel like it's his time. Um, I really like the middleweight division at the moment. I don't think it moves fast enough for me. Um, I don't think it moves fast enough for me, but... I like it as a division. I think they could move it forward and get it going a bit. I know that obviously Izzy um, went away and, and fought at light heavyweight and that slowed it down a bit. And I understand that. And Darren Till's had injuries and all those other sorts of bits and pieces. But for me, um, I think Sean Strickland will deal with Uriah Hall. I think he'll stop him by the second round. Um, and then I'd like to see him break into the top 10 um, and start picking away some of those opponents. I'd like to see him fight Paolo Costa personally. Um, if we have a look at that top 10, uh, obviously you've got Whitaker, Costa, Cannoneer, Marvin Vittori. That would be a good fight. Derek Brunson, that would be a good fight. Obviously, he might be scheduled to fight Darren Till, so we'll have to see how that plays. Kim versus, uh, we've got, uh, obviously, he's fighting Uriah, Uriah Hall and Jack Hermanson and people like that. So there's a lot still to go for Sean Strickland in that top 10. And as far as Uriah Hall goes, sitting there in eighth, I'm just a bit tired of him. Um, so I predict TKO by the second round by Sean Strickland. Let's see how we get on, shall we?
So I had a weird thought the other day, and I guess it's not really weird, but I thought about USADA, and I thought we haven't really heard a lot from USADA recently. You know, normally there's a there's always something going on, and I know that they changed uh, the way that they announce positive tests uh, and doping violations of any kind. Um, because what was happening a lot of the time is someone's name was being brought up that they failed a, a test. There was then uh, some, you know, numeration and they go through bits and bobs and then they actually find out that, oh, no, it's okay. It was a tainted supplement or we got the wrong end of the stick or it came from this cream that he takes or whatever it might be. And then the fighter was tainted um, forevermore, pretty much. You know, you, you think about people like uh, Tim Means who sat for a year um, before they realised what it was that had happened. Um, and so they changed the way that they do things. And now you don't really hear about it, but I've just gone onto USADA's uh, website and it has all of the violations on there. So in the UFC, uh, there was 23 violations in 2020. And in 2021 so far, there have been eight. Now... You won't have heard about most of these. Um, Raquel Pennington's on there with a six-month suspension. That was back in January. Uh, Andre Ewell. You've got uh, Yair Rodriguez, of course. That was three whereabouts failures, which is a bit of a funny one. Um, that guy, it all kind of went south with that guy. Uh, Gilbert Melendez is on here with a two-year suspension from 2020. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum, of course, for his cannabis, which now is not a problem. Uh, Jessica Penney tested positive for stanazolol. Uh, you've got all sorts on here. Ovin St. Prue for something called Osterine. That seems to be what a lot of people uh, test positive for. And here, Diego Sanchez, three months suspension uh, in 2020. So it seems that people are getting suspensions, but the suspensions are shorter and they're not being talked about as much. So if you go onto this list, you'll see them on here. But when it's like six months, three months or whatever, you just don't hear about it because the fighter just sits there quietly, doesn't take a fight until six months later, and then they're back in the game. So I just thought it was a little bit funny that we hadn't heard from USADA in a while. Um, and it, I guess it popped into my head because of what's going on with Rob Font at the moment. Um, but yes, very, very interesting. USADA, if you go onto the website, you can actually look at their... Um, drug tests, you can look at their violations uh, and you can see some interesting names on there that you don't necessarily hear about in the MMA media um, because they just sit and they take it and then they take another fight. Very interesting. That was episode 43. As I said at the top of the show, you can follow us on Instagram at the Combat Review Podcast with all the underscores, on Twitter at Combat Review, and on the Combat Review YouTube channel. All the links will be in the description of this episode, and I will see you next time on episode 44.